How many people know that Jesus provides you with the good news? And uh, I'm here to share that with you this morning. Um, I'm Paul. If you don't know who I am, I'm, uh, my wife and I, Jennifer, serve as the executive pastors here at Faith Builders Church under Pastor Barb. And uh, I have the awesome privilege of speaking with you all this morning about something that I feel is going to touch the root of where you are today. Uh, many of you may not know, but I'm a board-certified doctor of holistic health, so that's physically, emotionally, spiritually, environmentally, every area of your life I'm interested in. I'm interested in you accomplishing everything, the desire that's in your heart, not letting your light hide under a bushel, which is where all forms of dis-ease will manifest. And you don't need to be carrying dis-ease in this time. No, you've got to let all that stuff go. You've got to get beyond the dis-ease of your life. Because one thing I know is that dis-ease can manifest itself into something physical. And you don't want that stuff. You do not want that stuff. And the quicker we can eliminate dis-ease through the power of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ in every area of our life, the more well we become. I've seen more transformation in people as a result of things that had nothing to do with their physical problem. It had something to do with something deeper going on inside of them that was there and it was constantly churning. It was constantly aching. It was constantly a burden to that person. Over and over and over it would go. And what I would also notice is, is that people would no longer have a, a, a level of consciousness about it anymore. It's almost like, well, that's over here on the side. But how many people know, as Pastor Barb was speaking this morning, that seeds, whether they're seeds that are weeds or they're seeds that are pumpkins or watermelons, they're growing. They're growing. And we don't want those bad seeds to grow in something as important as you, which is the vessel or the temple of God. Well, I don't know if I'm the temple of God. You better believe you're the temple of God. If you're messing around with that girl or you're doing stuff that you know you're not supposed to be doing, you got to remember that you're the temple of God. And I'm not here to bring conviction to anybody. I'm here to tell you the truth. It's the truth that'll make you free, not how you feel about the truth. Oh, man, we could have a whole message about that. But I've got seven questions to know if you are living for what you would be willing to die for. Seven questions, and I want you guys to pay attention because I'm telling you, some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about today has been suppressed, but it, the dis-ease of that suppression is still alive in you, and it needs to be driven to the surface. So many people are afraid of failure, and I'm telling you the truth today, the best thing that could ever you could ever do is to identify a problem as a, as a failure that it is, name that thing, and get rid of it. Get rid of it. Declare to the whole world how big of a failure that is in your life. Because the only thing worse than that going on in the inside of you and waging war on the inside of you is you perpetuating that thing. How many people know that if you've had a failed thing in your life, it'd be better just to get it over with now than to perpetuate it into your future? Praise the Lord, <laughs> then you're right in sync with what I want to talk to you about today. 
I want to read the theme scripture for what I'm going to talk about. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Oh, what? We're just hanging out, Jesus. I mean, what do you got to be like that for? You got to give up your own way. Everybody say, I'm going to give up my own way. Take up your cross. Oh, I mean... The cross was a place of humiliation. I mean, the cross was a place, man, you're hanging out there for the whole world to see how you are. The whole world. And says, and come and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, man, oh man. If you try to hang on to your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And I'll tell you, that's where the rubber's going to meet the road for everybody in this room and this guy right here too. Is, is all the other stuff that you could go and get, is it worth more than your soul? And I'm telling you, listen, the Bible's clear. We're supposed to seek first what? The kingdom of God. Oh, and also our righteous standard, right? The one that Jesus gave you. And then everything else is going to be added to you. But instead, we want to go out with our own will, our own mind, our own emotions, and we want those things to rule us. And you think, well, I don't want them to, but they do. No, you're choosing that. Nobody thinks your thoughts, nobody feels your feelings, and no one does what you do for you. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he did not make you do anything. God gave you the power of free will to choose. You can choose anything. But you got to become conscious that these are choices that you're making. And you know the difficulty that I'm talking about. You know how it pertains to you as an individual. You know how that rubs people the wrong way. You know how that causes problems and dissension and all kinds of concerns in others. You know how it trips you up over and over and over again. But yet you want to continue to go back to the same song and listen to that song one more time. That song is just like, well, you know, if people could only understand what I'm dealing with. Oh, if people could only empathize with me. Oh, if people could only think the way I think. Oh, if they only knew how right I was and how wrong they are. <laughs> this is the dis-ease that we're going to do a checkup today on. Dr. Paul is going to do an office visit with all y'all in this room and all y'all watching out there. We're going to do a checkup today. We're going to find out if you're truly willing to live for what you would die for. Because everything else, everything else 
is just something else to do. Am I saying you can't have fun in life? No, man, you got to have fun in life. Enjoy your life, man. It's incredible. But also get rid of all the junk that's holding you down, holding you away from who God called you to become because those are the things that I'd be willing to die for in my life. I'd be willing to die for them. I'd rather live for those things than to die without accomplishing those things in my life. You see, it's not just what it's going to cost you in eternity. It's what it's costing you right now, and it's what it's costing every person you come in contact with right now. I know you have this amazing picture for your life. I know that you have this amazing vision for your life or dream for your life. I know you have that thing. But sometimes you look at it and you go, no, that's not for me. No, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that. And all that dis-ease is preventing the sanctification that needs to occur in your life. This guy right here, I trust that the desires that are in my heart are the desires that God put in my heart. when they line up with the Word of God. <laughs> Remember, the dis-ease is there. The, the distraction is there. And it's time to deal with those distractions. It's time to deal with them. Because while you think you're hiding something, the evidence of your life is speaking louder than anything you could ever say or do. And what I'm saying there is that the Word of God has all these promises that are what? Yes and amen to those who believe, right? So all these are promises. These aren't just things we hope for. These aren't just things that God just thought, well, you know, for the, the few elite and all of those kinds of things. No, these are the promises of God that are yes and amen to those who believe. And so where you have things in your life that aren't producing the way God wants them to produce, there's something stopping up the blessing in your life. It's not worth it to hold on to what you're holding on to anymore. Because the cost of holding what you have in your hand is far greater than what God has for you. And in store, in stacks, in heaping over, in overpouring uh, in every area of your life. Some of us are holding on to some stuff right now. Some of us are looking for a, a, a scapegoat to blame the way our lives are. But I'm here to tell you as a man of God, life is not happening to you. It's happening from you. You are a child of God. If you were my child, you wouldn't be asking me for permission to go and, and look in my refrigerator. What in the world are you asking me if you can go to my cupboards for? What are you talking about? Go get it. I want you all to begin to imagine as I unfold this, that you have $10 million in an account somewhere. That I just want you to imagine that. $10 million in an account somewhere. When are you going to stop asking everyone else if they can borrow something of, of theirs when you possess it for yourself? In spades. I, I mean, like, overwhelming, over the top. All of my needs are met in accordance with the wondrous riches and glory found only in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, the author and the finisher of my faith. 
The one who planted desires in my heart before the foundations of the earth. Oh, the one that knows my beginning from my end. Wow. Question number one, what is your image of the church? What is, I don't mean the one that is. I mean the one that God planted in your heart. And some of you won't know the answer to that, but I hope you write down the question, and I hope you pray about it, and I hope you seek God around that, and I hope that you tell, ask God to reveal that to you, because that is so critical. You play a role in the body of Christ. What God's placed in my heart to the gifting, talents, and abilities that I have, He's not planted in your heart, and so on and so forth. We need hands. We need fingers. We need livers. We need hearts. We need brains. We need eyes. We need noses. We need blood. We need all kinds of things. And you, I'm telling you, you are empowered with the greatest gift ever known to mankind and that is the gift of the spirit that lives on the inside of you like like okay well that's good to know and i'll put that in my hip pocket over here but i'm still carrying all this other junk man i refuse to speak the truth in love i refuse to let people know what's in my heart i refuse to to discover those things i refuse 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 or maybe some of you in this room know the answer to that question. But what are you going to do? When are you going to live for what you would die for? <laughs> We're all coming to an end, I'm telling you. Life is but a vapor. It is too short. I mean, it is too short. And you think, well, I'm young. I, I need to sow my wild oats, and I need to do this and that and the other. Listen, you can do all that all you want. It's like someone getting ready for a race. Everybody's got their foot on the start line, and a gun's going to go off, and you just say, well, I'll just stand here and wait after the gun goes off. And everybody else is running ahead of you. Everybody else is getting the experience of God in their life. And everybody else is running a race in such a way that they're going to win. And there you are, still standing on the, on the start line. It's time to run. And not just run, but I mean run in a way that you would win. In a way that God painted the picture of the church in your heart. There's people that I cannot minister to like you can. I'm telling you, I can only do so much. Pastor Barb can only, Pastor Lonnie, you can only do so much. We need all the gifts of the church in operation all the time, every day. Before I hit my feet on the ground, God, thank you for today. God, use me today. Something as simple as that, before you even get your day started. Here's what the scripture says. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or some of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up. Thank God that he spoke up. This is the image that he had in his heart already before the question was asked. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, uh, uh, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Your mama and your daddy didn't tell you that. Nope. Nope. 
but my Father in heaven. My question for you, who do you say the church is today? Who do you say that it is? Is it a religious place? Is it a place I can drop off my kids so that somebody else can teach them the gospel? You know, I don't know what it is. Is it some list of rules? Is it just like some, some insurance that you have that when you die, you're going to go to heaven someday? Or is this an active relationship, you and God, he's empowered you with these incredible desires for his church, and all of a sudden you start to show up, you start to live for what you would die for, eternal rewards that we're talking about here, not the ones that just show up in your bank account and then get spent. Be careful. And, and I learned this as a very young man. Be careful what you accept a compensation for. Oh, man. And I, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about, well, God, if I do this, then I want you to do that. God's not a genie in the bottle. He'll entertain you for a while. He, he'll, he'll, he'll do something to get you to where he wants you to go. But if you think that that's as far as God wants to take you, you've missed the greatest opportunity in your entire life. He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory to, I mean, like stuff you can't even comprehend. That's where he wants to take you. Verse 18, it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock or on this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome that truth. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the dominion, the power, the authority, the abundance that you already possess. But if you're not careful, you'll become like an Ahab in the Bible. He had dominion. He had power. He had authority. He had abundance. He had everything, and it was all God given to him. And all he could do is wait for his little wife Jezebel to do her part and give him permission to do his. And it cost him and the nation more than they could have ever imagined. So don't be caught unaware. Don't be passive about who you are and who you say the church is. We need vision in this hour. We need, we need a manifestation of vision in this hour. We're all crying out for revival, and I'm telling you, the greatest revival that has already taken place, and that's happened inside of you. The question is, will you let that out? Unapologetically, in love, in generosity, in, I mean, overflow, in every area of your life, will you let that light so shine? Darkness cannot cannot stand the light. It cannot. You think, well, I don't have a very bright light. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It didn't say what kind of light is going to chase away the darkness. It says light will charge, chase away that darkness. Question number two. What is your specialized function in manifesting this image of the church? What is your specialized function in manifesting this image. Romans 12, 4-5, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with the Christ body. 
We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Oh, God, listen to me. If you don't belong to someone else and someone else doesn't belong to you, you got to get there. And I'm not just talking about your own household. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. I'm talking about in the community. You can't be the, the, the man or the woman of God hiding under your bed with a squirt gun full of holy water on, on, on uh, Halloween night. You know, you just, you got to get past all that stuff. You got to get past it. And I'm trying to keep it light, but I'm trying to be as serious as I possibly can. The holy water ain't going to get you nothing. You're hiding under a bed. You're waiting for the devil to do something. The devil can't do a doggone thing to you that you don't allow. Some of you just need to, to cut the knees off of that thing once and for all. Quit messing around with him. You don't have to be afraid of him. He's defeated already. He, he's placed under your feet. It doesn't get any lower than that. My devil's about six foot under my feet, buddy. I, 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 listen, you, you start to answer some of these questions, these kingdom questions, and you start to work these things out of yourself, I'm telling you, the devil doesn't even stand a chance. You'll see him moving, and hey, he, you could see him a mile away. You sn already sniffed him. Oh, no, I know that. I've already done that. Oh, no, no, you couldn't convince me to go back down that road again. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> And I mean the place, praise the Lord. <laughs> Number three, what is your willingness to manifest what you say the church is? Oh, my goodness. My willingness? What about Pastor Barb's willingness, man? I mean, she's the pastor. I mean, it's like, man, what, what's her willingness, you know? I mean, like... <sighs> Convenient Christianity don't work, guys. God don't work on your time. He works on his time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I know this is a tough message. I know it's tough. But I'd rather shoot straight with you. It's like when you go to the doctor, right? And the doctor wants to review the numbers with you, right? You got your labs done. You got your tests done. How would you like it if that doctor just pussyfooted around with you and didn't tell you everything you needed to know and just kind of, you know, smoothed everything over for you? You wouldn't want that. You'd want to know what that person knows so that you can know what you need to know to get rid of that doggone thing. Never forget this. Never forget if you, the moment you can name something, is the moment you can deal with it. You can't name that thing, it doesn't even count. It, it, it's like you're, 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 you're boxing against the air. You got, you got to stop boxing against the air, and you need to find a name for that doggone thing. And once you got it, man, you go at it with everything you got, including Jesus, including the power that God's given to you, including the Word of God, including your prayers, including the church. I mean, you begin to knock that thing out of your way. Because as difficult as it is now, remember, it's still growing. It's a problem now. What's it going to be in 10 years from now? What's it going to be in 20 years from now? 
the things that you're afraid of, the things that you're thinking about that aren't of God, those are the things that I'm telling you, if you don't learn to deal with those things, they're going to turn into monsters in your life. But God is a redemptive God. I don't care how far you've gone, you can put an end to that thing, name that thing, and you get that thing to submit to the name above every name thing, and that is the name of Jesus, your Lord and Savior. But don't be boxing the air anymore. If it's a problem, write it down. If you need help, ask somebody in the body of Christ for help. If you need to break through, you go and you get at the throne of Jesus and you're not there to beg for a doggone thing. You are there to declare the promises of God, the finished work of Jesus Christ. You are completely entitled to it. It'd be like going to the doctor with your insurance card and say, well, you know, I don't know if I could book my appointment. Well, why can't you book your appointment? Well, I don't know how much it's going to cost. You have an insurance card. Take the card. Give them the card. Tell them to use the card. You got the Word of God. You got every tool known to mankind and in heaven itself. You have every tool that's been given to you. The question is, will you pick them up? Will you learn to use them? Mike, you're great with tools, right? He's worked his whole life with his hands. He's done amazing things. But did you know how to use every one of those tools on day one? Did you have to try to use them to, to perfect them? And did you perfect them over time? There you go. There you go. You got to pick up these tools, guys. You got to grab them. They're there. You aren't going to be able, I'm not going to be able to go to heaven someday and say, well, God, it was just too hard. It was just too difficult. I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't know. He's going to say, well, why didn't you use the tools that I gave you? Oh, man, I could have had a V8. <laughs> the older, as the older crowd laughs. Y'all can Google that later. <laughs> But what is your willingness to manifest what you say the church is? James 1, to 26 says, but don't listen to God. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Wow. What's now my willingness to do what God has called me to do? Number four. What will you do when nothing seems to be working? Oh, buddy. I told you I'll hit all of you today. I'm not hitting you. Praise the Lord. Just a little tap, a little love tap. Kind of like that little hammer that hits your knee, you know, at the doctor's office. It's all right. It's okay. I had to, I had to use the amplified version for this one because <laughs> it says a lot. What will you do when nothing seems to be working? Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God. Don't go into battle without putting on your armor. 
Your armor really is a representation of who you are in Christ, okay? But you got to put these things on, your helmet of salvation, your shield of faith, your breastplate of righteousness, your shoes of peace, your, bre- your, your belt of truth. I'm sure I'm missing some others. But you better know that you're, you're ready for battle, right? So that you will be able to successfully, man, resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm, to hold your place, fully prepared, immovable and victorious. And that's where people lose the battle. They've already quit here and here before, long before they quit doing the work. It's already gone. It's already, you've already quit. You're not willing to stand your ground. Stand your ground. It's yours. Every place that your feet will, will, will tread are whose? Are yours. They're yours. You possess this thing. And if I related it to your house... If some crazy fool came and kicked in the front door, you going to hold your ground? You, listen, guys, I, I know a lot of you know me, and I'm a, I'm a pretty loving guy, caring guy. I'm a man of God, but you kick in my front door. <laughs> you, might, you, you might could see a side of me. <laughs> but why are you letting everybody kick in this door? Why are you letting it do it? I don't know, Pastor Paul. I've, I've been afflicted with this for so long. Listen to Pastor Lonnie's message from Wednesday. Twelve years the woman was afflicted. Twelve years gave everything that she had to other people to help fix her problem. And it wasn't up to other people to fix the problem. It was up to her. Jesus even said, who touched me? Uh, (laughs) Do I want to raise my hand or not? You know, your faith has made you well. Quit making it harder than it is, guys. The question was, what will you do when nothing seems to be working? All I can tell you is it is working. <laughs> There's a book that was written about a gentleman who bought a, uh, a plot of land. This is early on in the United States, and the gold rush was going on. And uh, this young man decided he was going to go buy one of these plots. So he goes from the northeast all the way to the west, and he gets over there and he buys this piece of property, and he starts mining. Never mined before in his life, but he starts mining. And he finds a little gold here, and then he finds a little bit of gold over here, and then he finds a little bit of gold over here, but it was just not enough to keep him going. And he was struggling every single day. Oh, my goodness, you know, how much more work can I do? How much more can I be doing here? And so he calls the guy, you know, the guy that will buy everything for 10 cents on the dollar. 
calls him up, says, hey, if you can give me enough to get me back to my family, I'll gladly accept it. He said, well, hey, before I buy anything, he says, where'd you find the gold? Found some here, 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 and there. Okay, great. Here's your money. Get on. Get on, son. This wise man decided he would call a gold mining expert. Brought that man out there, paid him a small fee. And he said, well, the guy said he found gold here, 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 and here. And he said, and the gold, the gold mining expert said, if you just dig right here, you're going to find gold. Gold runs in veins. And he says, this is what I know. And that man went and he hired a crew of men digging that one spot. It was one of the biggest strikes of gold in history. And guess how far the guy was that sold out? Three feet from gold. All I can tell you is when things don't seem to be working, they are working. But you can't give up hope. You cannot give in. And you can't let someone kick their way back into your heart once again. <laughs> Question number five. We've only got seven here, so praise the Lord. What would you do? What would you become, rather, if you chose to live this dream? What would you become? if you chose to live this dream. Matthew 19, 23 to 30. He says, And Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So just real quick, the camel going through the eye of the needle, they, they, a camel would come with all kinds of stuff from all the regions around, and it would want to get into God's city, right? And so what they would do is like an airport, airport checkpoint, and every item would have to come off that camel because the camel couldn't fit through the eye of the needle. Everything had to be inspected before that camel could walk in. And if it wasn't something that belonged in the kingdom... It was rejected. You got to be willing to go through that, guys. We're not playing games here. This is a war that we're in. It's a war. It says the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible to be saved. But with God, everything is possible. And then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What else do you want? What are we going to get? When, when's it going to come to us? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon a glorious throne, then you, will be, then you, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or a father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit, by the way, eternal life. But many of you who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem to be least important now will be the greatest then. Uh, listen, the world does not feature the church in a very good light. 
they could give a rat's butt about you or me or anything we're doing. They'll use every tactic that they have to shut us down, to shut us up. Don't worry, man. Don't worry about all that stuff. Let all that stuff go. Listen, I've heard Good Christian people say, well, you know, the church is dying in America. Oh, well, the church is, we're a godless nation. Get out of here, you rotten devil. I'm telling you, as long as I'm standing here, that's a lie. That's a lie. See, don't slide down that slippery slope. You're here. That dirty, rotten devil try to use something from the world to try to get you to think less of yourself and less of the church you go to. And, oh, I don't need the church anymore. And, oh, the church is this. And the church is that. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's a bad seed in every bunch, buddy. I'll tell you what. There are bad seeds. I wouldn't care what it was. Bad seed sitting in his room. But I ain't going to blame the church for bad seeds. <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, my goodness, don't get blinded. It's the truth that's going to make you free, not some, I don't know, generic, uh, China-made, shipped-over, broken thing that's going to take you six months to get. No, <laughs> it's the real deal. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. Some of you on that fence still right now, you, you got to get rid of that mindset. If you're watching out there, you better get your butt back in church. I'm telling you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. God's giving you the power of free will to do it. But praise the Lord, now's the time more than ever in your life to get back into the house of God, to find your place, to do what God's called you to do, and quit grumbling and complaining about the church. Because if you're grumbling and complaining about the church, you're not just speaking about Faith Builders Church or the church down the street. You're talking about Jesus himself. He's not weak. He's not anemic. He's not broke. He's not, he doesn't want anything from you. He's trying to get everything to you. But boy, that world is, uh, works hard, man. It works hard to point you in the other direction. So the question here is, who would you become if you choose, chose to live that dream? Oh, my goodness. And who will you become if you don't? Ugh. That's the hardest way. Number six. How generous are you willing to get to fulfill a life worth dying for? How generous are you willing to get to fulfill a life worth dying for? Philippians 3, 7 through 16. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. 
I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that in one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to the process, or the uh, press on to possess, rather. That perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Are you possessed by Christ? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I hope you are. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. Let us, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. Don't let go. Now's not the time to look back. Now's the time to press on and go, God, okay, I've accomplished a whole bunch of cool stuff. I've accumulated lots of cool stuff. I, you know, I've got all my needs met. Now what? Now what? Now what are you willing to, to live for that you would die for? Now what? Now what? How are you going to really make it count? How's it going to last beyond the little life that you're going to have here on this world? How's it going to last as a legacy for Christ? Listen, some of y'all have all your needs met and you're set for life. All I can tell you is it's not going to be enough to get you to heaven. It's not good. That's, that's not going to get you there. I'm glad, well done in that area of your life, but now it's time to work on legacy parts of living for your life. How much do you need? When's it ever going to be enough? It never is, guys. I'm telling you, it never is. It's never enough. You always want something more. There's always some new thing that you could do or have or whatever. You think, well, if I could only make this much money, then I would... No, it won't work then either. You might as well just make it work with what you got in your hand right now. Yeah, and then let God elevate you there. You'll be better prepared. Yeah, there ain't no shortcuts. God knows the shortcuts will kill you. It'll ruin you. It, it will destroy you. You've you got to go through that eye of the needle. I'm sorry. Everything's got to be inspected. It's not just you at risk. It's everybody else at the same time. Last question, number seven. I'll forget it. <laughs> I don't know if you can answer this question. Are you ready to die to yourself so you can live a life worth living? Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you ready 
to die to yourself so you can live a life worth living. I hope you all take these questions. There's only seven of them. Probably come up with a hundred questions if I wanted to. These are the ones that God laid on my heart. I hope that he's laid them on your heart as well. I hope you take the time, maybe this afternoon, maybe some of you, several days, maybe some of you get away for a weekend or a week or a month. You'll start to sort these things out. You'll start to explore another part of yourself that's as alive today as it was on the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. It's important, guys. You're not just responsible for yourself. You're responsible for others. What if that one person reached out to you to introduce you to the gospel to draw you into Christ what if they said well somebody else can do it I've got more important things to do I've got bigger problems I've got bigger fish to fry we all have problems for that in your life and you're feeling challenged by this word or you know you're in the beginnings of this and you want to really know I just want you to know that there are people in this church to help you walk through those things we're here for you don't expect them to happen tomorrow but maybe they will just expect that they're going to happen Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this incredible opportunity to minister your word to us, your people. I thank you, Father God, that these words have gone deep into the hearts of these people, these provoking questions to help us discover our first love again, help us push the reset button again, help us to re-up one more time, help us to overcome yet again survived all of our worst days for such a time as this. The victory is ours because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want you to all say this prayer together with me. If you want to come to Christ and you really want to dedicate yourself or you really want to rededicate yourself or you want to come to Christ for the first time, I just want you to say this prayer together with me aloud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for my gifts, my talents, my abilities, the anointing to do what you've called me to do. I receive it today. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand this morning? 
to the person to the left and to the right. And as you do, look at the empty chairs down your row. Look at those empty chairs. Look at the chair that you're sitting in today. Come on out. It's a big opportunity. God bless you all.